Welcome to the Contemplative Creative Podcast. This free audio recording is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation or purchasing some of the goods we've made available through the support page of our website to help us offer unique audio teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Thank you for your support. The path towards being your best self lies in accepting responsibility for your thoughts and actions. Hello, and welcome to episode number 18 of Contemplative Creative, an audio podcast that tackles the deeper philosophical issues of living in a dynamic, modern world. The goal? Uncovering insights so that we can each choose to live more intentional lives with meaning. My name is David Quiring and I will be your host. As humans, we've always had a tendency to try and explain things in life, both out in the world we live in, but also within ourselves. Why does something work the way it does? Why do I act and think the way I do? Why, why, why? And maybe a how in there somewhere too. Though the asked questions may be perennial, our answers to them have been anything but. At any given point in time, our explanation and understanding of things is shaped by the knowledge and language available to us at that time where we formulate our answers. And this foundation is constantly being refashioned and built upon as we continue to learn. When we see the result of something, but have limited language and understanding to grasp the cause, how do we explain it to ourselves? Take a solar eclipse, for example. If you were in a village thousands of years ago, and a shadow suddenly blotted out the sun overhead, what would you think? Probably something along the lines of, Oh no, it's the end of the world! Or... Billy really outdid himself last night with his partying, and he didn't just upset his neighbor, he angered the gods. With no knowledge of modern astronomy, or much beyond your village for that matter, you would probably come to understand the eclipse similarly to how they would have explained the unexplainable. Superstitious guesses of larger things at work. A solar eclipse is a rather rare example. But the same process is involved for explaining everyday things as well, such as the rising and setting of the sun. Why do plants grow? Or why someone might be sick? These things were actually pretty mysterious until only a short time ago. Only in recent times has science unveiled the forces at work in all of these different areas, and since informed our understanding of them. Using whatever the knowledge of the time was available to us, we have always formed our answers to all these why questions around superstition, belief, and now science. Despite science, we are still just putting forth our best guesses in pursuit of absolute truth, and it will continue to change. So too it is with your behavior, 
or your thoughts, which, when you really think about it, are obscure in origin as well. With regards to the mind, we are still in the early days of understanding it and how it shapes us as individuals. Until now, it has been a black box of complexity that somehow results in the outwards expression of the selves that we are each and every day. Our personality, our characteristics, our habits and abilities, which aspects of ourselves seem to be malleable, and others that might seem to be stuck. All of these outward manifestations are a result of the mysterious processing that goes on inside the black box that is our mind. For centuries, people have wondered about this black box. Philosophers and psychologists particularly have questioned the origins of these sorts of innate traits. The classic question, and one that any of us who have ever taken a course in psychology have probably bumped into, is the question of whether a particular trait is a result of nature or nurture. In other words, was I born this way? Or was this something that I developed as I grew up to be the person that I am right now? This is a classic question. And the unspoken question that follows it is, either way, am I stuck this way? Or am I capable of changing? Psychologists have been trying to understand the origin of behaviors and thoughts for a long while, but there was a gap in science that meant they weren't able to look directly at the brain while they were doing their research. So instead, they relied on soft science, looking at mental cause and effect through experimentation. They would put a certain set of sensory inputs into a subject and observe the results that would come out and repeat it on a bunch of people and try and draw conclusions from that. This process offered glimpses into the black box, but still it required guesswork to fill the unseen gap, and it is still prone to error, just like the earlier folks' best guesses, though perhaps less extreme. We've had some bad superstitious understanding to these difficult sorts of questions in the past, yielding dark historical events, including segregation, people being burnt at the stake, and a period where voluntary frontal lobotomies were trending, to just name a few. While with hindsight, we may not be able to agree with what our ancestors did, we can at least understand why they did them. Today, we are still in the very early days of understanding the mind, but I'm happy to say that the knowledge we have already gathered has shone a light on a lot of incorrect, superstitious beliefs, dissipating them like the sun, a thick fog. With recent advancements in the fields of genetics and neuroscience, we are finally able to look at specific innate qualities and their source in the mind and begin to formulate clear answers as to where they arose from and remove the guesswork of soft science, filling in the gap that was previously there. We are starting to cut through the fog around the age-old question, nature or nurture. The question I would like to dive into today, one that is less classic and less considered, is 
what do we do if we discover that it turns out the origin of one of our negative habits is from our biology? Is this permission to write it off as something that is simply a part of who we are? Excusing ourselves from responsibility for it? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to answer that one straight up right there. No, this is not an excuse to not accept responsibility for our actions and our thoughts. Remember what I talked about on episode number 10 about neuroplasticity? If you haven't listened to that episode, you don't need to right now, but I'd recommend it's a good pairing with this particular episode. To sum it up, our brains are blessedly malleable, which has allowed us to adapt and prosper such as we have. But this also allows us to work with and overcome negative tendencies, even if they originate from some biological evolutionary trait. We can even work further to develop positive habits. The brain is an organ that learns, so it is designed to be changed by your experiences despite its current state. This is in fact incredibly important, because the world we live in these days is very different than the one we evolutionarily adapted to prosper in over millions of years in the past. We need to understand our evolutionary tendencies and acknowledge that they may not be serving us well in a world that has changed so much. And then we need to work with them. Let me illustrate this with a bit of a case study on one specific innate trait of the human mind, and that is the negativity bias. Suppose you got 10 things done today and made one mistake. What's likely to stick out to you as you're falling asleep tonight? Probably the mistake, even though it was just a small part of your day. None of us like to feel like garbage, so why do we do this? Fixating on the negative instead of allowing ourselves to feel the overwhelming positive. Have we always had this tendency? Or did we learn it from our parents? Or somewhere else along the way as we were growing up? Well, and this is where the neuroscience comes in, it turns out that we were actually born with this tendency. The brain didn't spring into being overnight. It acquired its capabilities and tendencies over hundreds of millions of years. And the factors that shaped this long, impersonal history show up in your life today in very personal ways. It turns out that long ago this negativity bias was actually a positive thing. To pass on their genes, our ancestors had to get things that were pleasurable, such as shelter, food, and sex. Meanwhile, they had to stay away from things that were painful, such as predators, starvation, and aggression from competitors, from your neighbors, competing tribes, that sort of thing. Both of these two focuses are important, but there's a vital difference between them. From a survival standpoint, dangers have more urgency and impact than things that you need. If you fail to get food today, for example, you'll be hungry, but you'll have another chance to get some tomorrow. But if you fail to avoid the jaws of a lion, jump! There are no second chances. 
over hundreds of millions of years, it was a matter of life and death to pay extra attention to negative things, to react to them intensely, remember them well, and over time, become even more wary of them. Consequently, the brain evolved a built-in negativity bias for safety and survival. With the consequences of danger so high, humans adapted to be hyper-aware of potential threats. While this bias emerged in harsh settings very different from our own, it continues to operate inside us today as we watch the news, commute to work, squabble with our families, pay bills, or even simply go for a walk. Over the course of evolution, animals that were cautious were more likely to pass on their genes, and these inclinations are now woven into our DNA. Even when you feel relaxed and happy and focused, your brain keeps scanning for potential dangers, disappointments, and interpersonal issues. Then, when the least little thing goes wrong, or could be trouble, the brain zooms in on it with a kind of tunnel vision that downplays everything else. If your boss gives you an excellent performance review, for example, that contains just one piece of critical feedback in a bucket of praise, you'll likely just focus on that one negative comment. Negative stimuli are perceived more rapidly and easily than positive stimuli. The thing is, we don't really live in a survival of the fittest world anymore. This fixation on the negative is not only largely unnecessary, but it can actually be detrimental to our relationships and mental health in a busy world. Anxiety and depression, for example, are rooted in rumination on the negative aspects of life. To the extreme, though, people are so focused on the bad things that they are unable to see the beauty beyond the tunnel vision that comes with them. Acknowledging these tendencies, we need to try and recognize them in our lives and prevent instincts from taking over in ways that maybe aren't so good for us. With regards to the negativity bias that we all share, perhaps the best thing we can do is to take advantage of the malleability of the brain and actively pay attention to positive things. It could be as simple as enjoying a cup of coffee or striking something off your to-do list. Normally, we do feel pleasure from these sorts of things, but it quickly passes and we move on, not giving it much attention. Now, in order to take advantage of neuroplasticity and build neural pathways around the positivity in these situations so that we're more open to experiencing it again, we need to sit with the pleasure longer. They say at least 12 seconds. So try it. The next time you take a sip of a delicious drink, try and sit with that enjoyment, that pleasure, for 12 seconds. It might feel a little forced at first, but that's just because that's not what you're used to. It will become easier and become a method for actually weaving a positivity bias into your neural structure as well. It may not eliminate the biological negativity bias, but it will stop us from strengthening the negative biases' neural pathways and lessen its power over us. 
Because if we're always being negative, then we're just strengthening the neural pathways for those negative habits too. Our biology is the result of millions of years of evolutionary adaptation to survive in the world. Glimpsing the reason why behind our thoughts and actions helps us to begin to explain them. But it is no excuse for them. It is simply an explanation and a new piece of knowledge we have to work with as we move forward. We do need to acknowledge that the world we live in today is vastly different than the world that this slow evolution optimized for originally. And in a sense, we need to continue to evolve to our new situation. This means working with our biology and challenging tendencies that might no longer be necessary. The negativity bias is but one example. Aggression, competition, and selfishness are a few others that just quickly pop to my mind right now, and there are bound to be many more. Something to keep in mind as we continue to seek understanding of ourselves and the world we live in. If you're like me and find this sort of stuff really interesting, I've got some further reading for you on the topic this week. Some homework, if you will. And that is a book named Hardwiring Happiness by Dr. Rick Hansen. His book begins by explaining the basics of the neuroscience behind the negativity bias in a lot more detail than I went into here in this episode. And he moves on to focus on giving really practical advice to overcoming the negativity bias and build some positivity into your life that otherwise you've maybe been overlooking. There's some really great advice and life-changing stuff in there, and the way he writes is very accessible. In other words, you don't need a degree in neuroscience to get a lot out of this book. Anyone can pick it up. I'll go even one step further and recommend that you give this book a listen rather than a read because Dr. Hansen himself narrates his book on Audible and it's always a really special experience to hear a book read from the lips of the person who wrote it. Would you believe that I've even got a way for you to get your hands on the audiobook for free? And it's completely legal. <laughs> uh, I've arranged a partnership with Audible. And that means you can simply go to www.audibletrial.com slash contemplative creative. Hit enter and create your free account and you will get your first book from them for free. I recommend hardwiring happiness. But if there's something else at the top of your to-read list right now, I'm willing to bet it's available on Audible too because they got a pretty big library. And you can use this deal to get your hands on that one instead. Again, the link is www.audibletrial.com slash contemplative creative. Or I'll put the link in the show notes and you can just click it there. And that brings us to the end of another episode. The best way to support contemplative creative continues to be helping us spread the word about what we're discussing over here. We want to keep this thing going and growing, but we can't do that without you the listener. So if you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with a friend. And if you don't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, 
please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes, too. This really helps other people discover us amidst the growing noise of the internet, and we'd really appreciate it. In the meantime, you can stay connected with us between episodes by joining Contemplative Creative on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links to all of that and more are over at our website at www.contemplativecreative.com. And that's it for now. Thanks for listening. The path towards being your best self lies in accepting responsibility for your thoughts and actions. <laughs>